0: Well today we celebrate the memorial of St. Philip Neri, and uh, it's uh, very appropriate, uh, because St. Philip Neri doesn't always happen this way, but his feast day falls right in between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost Sunday. And so it doesn't always happen that way, but this year it has, and that's really nice because St. Philip Neri has got a special devotion to the Holy Spirit, in fact, and in our opening prayer, we heard about how St. Philip Neri is filled with the Holy Spirit. May we also be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Philip Neri lived in the 16th century. He's called the Apostle of Rome. And... Uh, This guy is so absolutely remarkable. And I have, I mean, me personally, my own personal life, I have a lot of things that that resonate with him and what his love was about and what he was for and what he focused on. But uh, he he just was remarkable in so many ways. Um, Just one very, very amazing thing. Um, He would go down into the catacombs in Rome. So the catacombs in Rome are these ancient... Uh, they were originally just um, you know I think as the pagans built up the city of Rome over the generations, you have levels built upon levels upon levels upon levels. I mean by the time of P- Saint Peter was in Rome, the city of Rome was six or seven hundred years old, so you had massive amounts of these uh, kind of basements to to the city, and so you 'd have these tunnels. Some of them were used for sewage and garbage and some of them were used for burial uh places and the pagans would use them. But the Christians kind of adopted them as well, and they would uh the Christians would bury their dead in the catacombs and then they would go there to pray uh and to hold religious services and the Eucharist and, and whatnot. Um eventually they kind of got covered over they were not used a lot and then uh, in the 16th century basically there's kind of a primitive form of archaeology that started taking place and they started kind of uncovering the catacombs that early. So there's some very famous catacombs some very ancient pieces of uh, frescoes or artwork on them. In any event St. Philip Neri again 500 years ago uh, in these days those days of primitive archaeology was making use of the catacombs. He went down there and he would spend uh, long periods of prayer. And this was when he was a layman before he was ordained a priest. Long periods of prayer in the catacombs, uh, and there was an experience that he had whereby the Holy Spirit filled him so intensely with so much love. Because see, the the spirits, they you know, and in, in our theological tradition, the Holy Spirit is the love of the Father and the Son. Okay, so within the mystery of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the love that is shared between the Father and the Son. So there's this whole association with love in the Holy Spirit. So Philip Neri was so filled with the Holy Spirit that his heart, because of his love for God, actually expanded, and uh, it started becoming so hot and started radiating so much heat throughout his body He'd have to like throw himself on the ground and place his body next to like the cold earth, put basically ice on himself because he was becoming physically overheated because of his heart. And when they, uh, when he died and they did essentially an autopsy on him, they found that his heart was 50% bigger than any, than an average person's heart. So his heart had actually Expanded, and it actually broke, displaced two of his ribs, and he lived his life like forty years of his life with this expanded heart. Um, and uh, you know, recently, um, I've had occasion to. You know, I was speaking to the uh, parents of the religious ed kids recently, and I, there was an occasion for me to speak to them. We were, we were doing this whole thing on. Uh, basically the internets and dangers of the internet and social media, which is becoming a real problem today. And the big problem, and I've spoken about this briefly, I think, before, the big problem today is internet pornography. It is an epidemic. It's killing us. It's absolutely killing us. It's a terrible, terrible scourge uh, upon our society. And uh, when you get into... People who have like internet, they're even causing, calling it an addiction now. I mean, at this point, you can get your insurance, which you, and I think it's good. I mean, this is good. You can get your insurance to pay for treatment for internet pornography. Um, and that's good. I think that's a really good development. I mean, broader society is, is recognizing how much of a problem this is. It's such a, a financial and social drain upon us um, it's unbelievable, but in in any event, so I'm speaking about this. I'm having occasion to read about this problem and, and kind of out of control sexual behavior in general, whether it be prostitution or you know online chat rooms or all of this kind of stuff, pornography and whatnot. And what they say is, you know, the psychologists basically say the people who and it's so widespread now. It's not like There's these strange people, small percentage of Americans. I mean, this is very widespread. It's touched everybody's lives. The the one of the deepest kind of delusions, uh, kind of errors in their mind that the people who are connected and hooked on this stuff have is that um, basically my needs for intimacy and connection and love cannot be met. No one's, there's no human being out there that I can trust to actually meet my needs for intimacy, connection, and love. And so that's the kind of the root belief that they have. And so they say, well, I'm going to take things into my own hand and I'm going to do this thing. It's going to give me some kind of a relief and it's going to, I got to meet my own needs by pursuing this kind of deviant sexual behavior. So they take things into their own hands because they don't trust that there's a person out there or people in general that can meet their needs for intimacy, connection, and love. And uh, that's a false belief. And so the solution to the problem is you can't just say, well, don't do this bad behavior because it's out of control for them. They can't stop it. But what they need is a positive presence of love and intimacy and emotional connection in their life that has become stronger than the problem, and little by little they start to believe, oh wait a second, I my needs for intimacy, love, and connection can be met by my friends, by hopefully God, and then little by little the strength of the addiction begins to wane, and they are bolstered bolstered in their Confidence that their deepest needs really can be met, but they have to trust and open themselves to other people. And, uh, so I think it is, you know, with the Lord here in our gospel passage, it's very interesting. He says, uh, you're gonna be mourning and you're gonna be grieving, but your grief is gonna turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she is, has great sorrow because of the pain of bringing this child to birth, but when the child is born, she forgets her pain. And so also, when God comes to us, He doesn't just, He does come and say, no, don't do X, Y, and Z. He does say that because it's bad for you. But in addition to saying, no, don't do X, Y, and Z, He says, I have a greater love for you. And it's not about an absence of this kind of behavior, but it's about a presence, a positive presence of my love and my joy, and that's going to basically overwhelm your need, that, that, that false need that you're seeking to fulfill by doing this kind of behavior. Um, when people start to let go of these bad sexual addictions, there is a grief that they feel. It's like mourning. They're actually mourning as if someone was dead. And there's a sorrow and there's a fear, a very, very strong fear connected to their weakness that they don't have the ability to overcome this kind of addiction. They're totally weak. At the root of that is a fear that their needs cannot be met. And so Christ comes into our life and he says, he pushes away the fear and he says, here I am. Look, I am this positive presence. I am what you've always longed for. I am what you have always wanted. I am here to meet your needs. And the fear goes away. And the weakness goes away, and they're strong. And they can then overcome the addictions. So, Saint, getting back to St. Philip Neri, an amazing thing that this guy would do is with his penitents when he was a confessor. The penitents would confess their sins. They would be genuinely sorry for them. But they would still have the fear that they're going to fall back into the sexual sin or whatever it was that they're trying to overcome. They'd still have this deep-seated fear. And he would take them, and he would actually embrace them and bring them to his heart his heart that was enlarged (laughs) and busting out of his ribcage, and they would experience such an overwhelming sense of God's love for them that their temptation would disappear. That's an amazing, amazing thing. So today, my brothers and sisters, as we prepare during this holy novena for the coming of the Holy Spirit, we look to God for love. We look to him for the the Holy Ghost that is able to meet all our needs. And it's not just about no's, but it's about a positive presence, a joy that's so overwhelming we forget the grief of sin and sorrow and and those negative things in our lives. Uh, And so St. Philip Neri, pray for us.